Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey, yo, welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today. It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizzapia, and our guest right now, is I'm telling you, one of my favorite people in the whole world. It's true, he is. He's the co-host of Diamond Bets right here on Sports Good with me every single Sunday. We're talking baseball, and we've been talking baseball for the last six months without baseball, and now it looks like we're actually going to have some baseball, which makes Matt Stryker and I very happy. He's the one, the only Matt Stryker. Welcome to the program, my friend. We appreciate you being here. Uh, thanks so much for having me. And I'm, I mean, I think everyone's excited. This, to me, is going to be arguably the most profitable baseball season when it comes to sports wagering, uh, perhaps in my lifetime. Okay. Now let, let's just kick off with that right here. Cause I want to talk about that because they like our coast co-host here, Craig Mish on fantasy sports today is very tentative about everything. So why are you on the opposite end of it? And I want to understand kind of, you know, where you're coming from and what's your point of view and why it can potentially be profitable from a, from a wagering standpoint this year, because of the 60 games and because of how different it is, what do you see out there where there might be an opportunity? So first and foremost, I think it's, it's because of guys like Mish that have actually contributed to a certain type of thinker in the industry. And when I say that, I mean one that relies on math and metrics to understand wagering, gambling. And you can use it with the stock market. You can use it with, with wagering on baseball. In such a small amount of time, the market is now in some way compromised. And if you can take advantage of a compromised market, you can find what's called the game is broken kind of thing. So you mm -hmm. find the compromise where it is in the market and just take full advantage of it. And knowing metrics and having the that mish kind of mind of really vetting everything and being very responsible in your research. And even his reporting reflects that just as an analyst in the industry. So I pattern myself after that. That's why I'm excited because I see a hole in the game. I see something's broken and I'm going to loot to you. I'm sorry, <laughs> term, but I am. Well, I think a lot of people here want to do that same thing here when they're looking at the season. I know there's early on now some discussion going of some people who uh, might be going only a couple innings here in the your first few right. starts. You've been seeing that happen. So let's talk about from a fantasy point of view here real quick, too. Like, how do you see this affecting 
or maybe not even just the fantasy starting pitching market in the early going in the first few weeks of the season. But do you start looking for these teams like the Yankees who have incredible bullpens and start putting money heavily on teams like that that are so deep in the bullpen have so many options and choices, even though they have to go for the three batters now with that rule. But do you are you basically looking for, you know what, forget the starting pitches of the first you know month of the season. I care about how good a bullpen is right now. It brings up an excellent point. And for rest of season drafts, I was thinking in my mind yesterday, just laying in bed, that the SPRP, you know, the pitcher that has that dual eligibility, right. especially in the most Yahoo leagues, that is really going to become a valuable asset, I think. And I think this is going to separate the savvy investor from the casual pedestrian parochial investor. And there's plenty of money to be made for that side. But I guess playing to our own egos, those of us that really want to be savvy, we understand now that the starting pitcher is going to be maybe about 5 6 7% of the pool. Those guys will do what they do, but the rest of the pitchers, the SPs, they become very interesting. The SPRP becomes my gold and yes, the bullpens are going to be so vital. Now you want to talk about daily fantasy. I'm really concerned about how it's going to impact the mm. money you spend on a pitcher and you don't have a slot for really anything else. Like that's interesting and I'm curious to see what what plays FanDuel do like about those kind of things. Well, I think that's a great point, too, because if we're talking that we know for a fact, like Garrett Cole's only going out for four innings, maybe like, let's just use it as that. Is he worth a high end investment in a cash game? I don't know. Like, I'm starting to think. Imagine that. spending 9300 on a guy that gives you three innings. Like, You can't play that DFS, yeah. can't play the game the same way now because of the compromised market. And we'll see whether or not they start to add in a relief pitcher slot or something like that to adjust to it. Look, I think that's going to be a short term problem here in the game, but it seems like from the beginning of the season, at least, that hitting should be favored. Now, in season long, are you taking that approach, too? Are you looking at making sure you solidify your hitting and then just hopefully you can get enough pitching at some point just to accumulate stats? Because it would seem in season long, Roto, chasing pitching, at least early on, it might be, I don't want to say futile, but let's say futile. <laughs> and you just did. Well, again, continuing on the, the thought of last night. So my brain has started to really kick into gear in anticipation of the investing season for baseball. So I, I did half of a mock draft. I, I couldn't do the whole thing. It's just it's too tedious and I fall asleep and whatever. But uh, my, my intent was the best hitters available. And I think picks one and two and one of them were, were Mookie Betts and Jose Altuve respectively. So that's where I was going, even though the Jack Flaherty's and the Walker Buehler's were falling to me in the mock sixth or seventh, whatever my position was. So, yes, I really am valuing hitting in rest-of-season drafts and uh, really going to be savvy on the waiver wire. And that's something else. If you're in a league with sharks, then, man, you, you're going to really have to prove yourself. But if you're in a league with what my what my wife likes to call dolts, if you're in a league with dolts, <laughs> man, just, just, this, just, right? just want to check, you know. I just want to make sure she's not calling you names at home. Now, that's my job. I don't know. She could be talking to me, but it's a great <laughs> word. and it's, it's appropriate as well. If you're in a league with these kind of people, who's absent-minded and flighty, then you can take advantage of the waiver wire. And I implore people to start to look at that SPRP slot, uh, even maybe when you're drafting, because late in rounds, nobody's picking up well, maybe they are Ross Stripling, but I can think of better SPR. David Phelps from years go, gone by. Start to target those players. Get your good hitters early while people are maybe making the mistake of taking an SP2 or 3 that isn't going to be valuable, especially at the pick, the place where they pick them. Now, you make up a, a good point here, too, talking about hitting. 
Are you of the mind, and I'm basically asking this of everyone, and I know we're going to talk about it on the show on Sunday as well here on Sports Grid on Diamond Best, but I'm curious, do you feel the need in leagues, I would especially think NL-only leagues, to redraft with the DH now being a thing? Because it feels like all of a sudden there could be 10 to 15 more hitters who all of a sudden were not relevant, who are now getting basically every day at bats. And I think that is a huge swing, especially in NL-only. I almost feel like NL-only leagues, it's a mandatory redraft. Would you agree with that? Yes, I agree that the NL only league does have to redraft because the the game changed, right? right? And the, the, the parameters of your league have now ha- have to have changed. AL only leagues can make an argument, but uh, if you're in a mixed league, then I, I again also think that you have to redraft. And from what I understand, a lot are doing that. And I saw an interesting thread about the, the great fantasy baseball invitational mm-hmm. and uh, how they're setting the standard and people will look to yeah. that. So it's going to be uh, intriguing for everyone. But from the investment point of view, Lay your money down because I'm telling you, man, there's a lot to be won here. You know, you mentioned two guys in Altuve and Mookie Betts, who guys at the top of the orders too. And I'm starting to look at that. And when we are basically hyper-focusing everything for 60 games, in my mind, Matt, I'm looking to those guys at the top of the order even more so because you're, the margin of error is now so, so thin, right? Where you, you really need those extra few at-bats within a season to kind of separate yourself in those season-long roto formats. And it feels kind of like, to me, that it's worth paying a little bit more of a premium for those guys like Betts, like Altuve, the premium guys who hit it, you know, the one slot, the two slot, right at the top of the order, because we all know they're going to get more at-bats than the average player anyway who's hitting six, seven, eight. So is that something you're looking to specifically a little bit more kind of taking that DFS edge a little bit into season long where you're like, all right, let me pilfer a couple extra at-bats here and there throughout the season. And eventually it's going to, you know, show itself in the standings. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that investors need to keep in mind is that while some of the faces may have changed and the rules and the words we're using and the amount of time we're playing, the game has not changed. If you're if you're playing five card draw, the five card, the game has not changed. I don't care if the dealer has has essentially changed or the people around you or the clothes you're wearing. The game of baseball hasn't changed. They may be playing less of it, but it has not changed. So invest accordingly. So when you look at top of the order, top of the lineup, guys, 100%, play those mathematical numbers and understand that Mookie Betts carries a value. Jose Altuve carries a value. Even guys to a lesser extent on on worse teams, because all of a sudden, those teams like uh, the Pirates or the Marlins, you might be able to pluck a thing or two. So really start to pay attention to uh, lineup positioning as well. Yeah. Now, the other thing we have to pay attention to are these taxi squads and how that's going to affect things. So I imagine like daily transaction leagues and things like that. Like, I feel like you have to add more bench spots to a roster because the waiver wire is going to be insane if you don't. And, you know, some leagues only have like two or three bench spots. I don't think you can get by that this year, especially, and I don't mean just like the injured spots. I'm talking about just bench spots because when a guy, you know, possibly gets COVID and then is out for two weeks or goes through a team and a couple guys on your own uh, roster, potentially in fantasy, it seems like you should be, a little bit more lenient if you're the commissioner in those leagues. Is that something you think should be addressed too by some league commissioners where they're kind of allowing a little bit more bench depth than maybe some of the average leagues on like your Yahoo platforms, let's say, which is notoriously a shorter bench? Well, it all depends on on what type of player you are. Are are you a jerk? Do you love beating other people? Well, I think you spent enough time with me to know that. Like, you know. But it's almost the the third person. (laughs) You, I know. But there's a big part of me. Listen, I, I played in leagues with guys like uh, Tommy Dreamer from, from WWE Wrestling. And, man, it it made me so happy to beat that man mm-hmm. senseless in fantasy sports. 
Now, are you on the other side that go, ah, listen, you know, it's fun. I like to have fun. That's how you have to look at it. But I played in a hockey league with a guy, and he had an interesting thing. It was an IR plus, equivalent to a day-to-day. You could slot a guy and open up a roster spot, but you also could still kind of use that other guy, too. It was a little bit of a cheat. But um, if you're savvy, you could play your benches, and you don't need there to be anything additional because the game hasn't changed. But if they have a, a COVID bench thing or someone was bringing up the point that a guy, a guy might be having a kid in a, in a couple of months, right. how's he going to be impacted by wanting to play ball? Those are things you should think about. You shouldn't draft those guys. But overall, I think leave it the way it is because the game hasn't changed. Let the best manager do their job. That's tough because one of those guys might be Mike Trout, and that's yeah. that's a dicey situation. He's having like, a kid in August, maybe. Uh, I don't know, but like it's hard not to draft Mike Trout. <laughs> like, we're saying, like, but, oh, what are you getting? You. What are you getting? Are you drafting I Mike know. Trout because he's Mike Trout? Are you drafting a guy that you're not going to see play? Are you drafting a guy that's going to play for two days, two weeks, and then leave? That's what you have to think about. Don't let the name crazy. fool you. All right, well, let's look at the positive, if we can. So is there a team or a, a few specific players where you think a shortened season kind of plays into their favor? Uh, whether it be like a younger starting pitcher who doesn't have an innings limit, a certain team that might be built better for a shorter season than necessarily 162. Like, how do you look at some of these teams right now and who might be, I don't know, like a surprise or somebody that you are going to be heavy in, whether it be in fantasy or wagering as a team that the 60 game season might kind of play right into their strong suit? So there are actually four to five teams that all of a sudden become incredibly valuable. And I I think that uh, on Sunday, you and I will speak of them on the show. And that way, you know, at least it'll, it'll drive people. But let me leave you with this without giving away too much. I like teams that have a strong veteran presence with a good bullpen. And there are teams that you might think are that. Go look at their bullpens. They need to have a good Mm -hmm. bullpen and a strong veteran presence. I also really like teams that are just all young kids that are going to go out and play. But I'll talk more about it on Diamond Bets to, uh, to leave you hanging. All right. Well, look, before you leave me hanging, look, let's one wrestling thing. Let's get in here real quick because, you know, we can because it's just you and me. Undertaker retired this week and I put it retired in air quotes. Obviously a legend. Do you think he stays retired? Do you think he goes out with that last boneyard match against AJ Styles at WrestleMania or does he come back for one more crowd moment? What do you think? So I've heard that one of the most admired things amongst the veterans is that Shawn Michaels stuck to his word. I think Undertaker will do the same. All right, there you have it. He's Matt Stryker. You can watch him and myself every Sunday here on Diamond Bets. We're also going to be flipping cards this Sunday and talking baseball, too. So don't miss that. If you like your baseball with a big heaping side dish of funny, we are the show for you. We're going to hit a break. We come back. Craig Mish and I will continue right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right here on Sports Group. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, We gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. 
So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you as the National League does away with the designated hitter for 2020. It certainly creates opportunities for other players in Major League Baseball to excel. And uh, the San Diego Padres, there was a report the other day, uh, Joe, that A.J. Preller was discussing the possibility of a couple of players playing designated hitter. I know that uh, we had talked about this a couple of months ago, looking at potential DHs. That was a few weeks ago, looking at potential DHs. And in this case, the Padres do pose an interesting question because they have no shortage of players that could uh, fill in a designated hitter this year. The only question is, will teams use one player? Will they use platoons? And what does that really do for fantasy as well? Yeah, well, I think when you're looking at a team like the Rays, they're going to platoon the hell out of everything. And then I, that's you know what the Rays have always done is that model. And I think you'll see some NL teams pick on that and try to just get the best guy in there because I think – most teams are not prepared for this, right? You know, most teams don't have that extra guy where you go, oh, it's a no-brainer. Like, the Reds, no. We're going to try to get Nick Senzel in the lineup every day, and that means, like, one of these other guys is going to DH. So it's a very different scenario here for a team, you know, like the Padres, who they have some options, but what do you want to do? You want to maximize that slot as much as you possibly can. I think they're going to borrow a page out of the Rays book and do that potentially. Now, I don't know if they're going to try to do a reclamation project with Will Myers and get him right again because – this is a guy that's got multiple 2020 seasons to his credit. I know there's some issues there. I know sometimes the batting average will drag. I know the streakiness is there. But when you're looking at power and speed, I know in a fantasy standpoint, all of us fantasy nerds would love to see the resurrection of Will Myers. But it might not be him. It might be some of these other guys that you're talking about here today in the right. segment. And that is something that we all have to start to think about long and hard, especially in those daily transaction leagues, because you're looking for at-bats every single day now. Well, very specifically, here's a couple of the players that remain a possibility to be the DH of the Padres. Crazy thing to say, but it's here in 2020. One of them is Josh Naylor, Joe. In 2019, Naylor played 94 games. His OBP was 315, eight home runs, 32 runs driven in. At one point, Naylor was in the Futures game going back a couple of years ago. Uh, But he sort of seems like a platoon guy. All eight, eight of his home runs were against right-handed pitchers in 2019. And, Joe, they've tried to play him everywhere. I know he started off as a catcher, first base, mm-hmm. outfield. Yes. Uh, but, the, but, the, but the bottom line for him is he's one of your favorites, I guess, because he's a bigger guy, you know, Josh Naylor. I like the big guys, yeah. He's a bigger guy, that's for sure. Came up with the with the Marlins, was their first-round pick. Um, and, you know, you know, I'm not sure what kind of career Josh Naylor is going to have. Maybe he could go the route of, of, of Alvarez on Houston and just be a full-time DH and hit 40 bombs. I kind of feel he's more of the platoon type, but he's on the stronger side of the platoon in this case and would be in line to get a lot of at-bats if they stick him at the DH. He's definitely a guy to keep an eye on, uh, especially as you start to trying to listen to what's going on there and a lot of the you know reports from different camps. I'm sure they'll hear certain things about certain players because that's the nature of this. Now, whether guys are there to report on it or not, you'll hear things leaked out about certain players and, and who they've got their eyes on. And, and you have to have your ears on that because that's going to influence your fantasy game. When you look at the minor league track record of Naylor as a guy who had 288 uh, in the minor leagues over five years with a 351 OBP, 
the problem is this, the OPS is just 791. So he's not a huge power guy. The, the slugging percentage was in the 439 range, somewhere 440. And that's okay, but that's not like necessarily getting everybody excited. I'm of the mind that they will probably use a guy like Naylor or Will Myers potentially. And what you're going to try to do is maximize those matchups. And if things are going well for the Padres, I think the Padres will be aggressive. I agree with you. I think the regime needs to be aggressive. And I think they have the goods to actually bring in something in return. And I think the Padres are an organization that kind of needs to be relevant. They've been irrelevant for so long that even in this strange baseball season, if they can make a, a lengthened playoff run, it's worth it. It's worth mortgaging a little bit of their future for a large you know, run into the playoffs potentially where maybe they even do get to a World Series or at the very least maybe an NLCS. And uh, I think getting somebody, a real RBI guy, an Encarnacion type of guy, not him necessarily, but somebody of that ilk, older veteran slugger, guy with some pop that you fear in the middle of that lineup can drive in runs, but also protects the guys at the top. Because right now this lineup is very top heavy. The second part of this lineup is not very good, but Naylor is a guy that I think could be useful this year without a doubt. All right, and then the other platoon partner potentially for Naylor or maybe somebody that could take the job on his own, another name that was mentioned a couple of days ago was Ty France of uh, of the Padres as well. And and France had a fantastic year in the minor leagues. Of course, it's the Pacific Coast League, so that's always going to be brought up. But he had 27 home runs in 2019. His OBP was over 47%. And then he came up with the Padres and certainly didn't show the same plate discipline. But in 69 games, he did hit seven home runs, which essentially would mean, yeah, I mean, he's a 15 to 20 home run guy in his first year. That's not all that bad. And so... Maybe, Joe, as you mentioned, with Will Myers as a possibility, platooning with these two other players, uh, that could be in the equation. But usually when a general manager mentions something in Major League Baseball, it's a little different to me than it is in football. It's, it's usually that's because either they're trying to trade a player or they feel really good about them. And in this case, uh, it is interesting that, that Myers' name wasn't mentioned and it was Naylor and it was France. Well, I, I think they're trying to move on from him in some package potentially. And I know there's some discussions at one point about the Red Sox being involved. I don't at this point if they would be or not. But France is definitely another name to keep in mind. I am always skeptical of guys who put up big numbers all of a sudden in the PCL. We can go back and talk about Kyle Blanks and Brandon Allen and a lot of names of the past where you say, who, what? And you go back and you go, oh, right, yeah, he hit 35 bombs in the PCL one year. So I always like to go back and look at double-A numbers because I think that's always a much better indicator of what the projectability of a young player like France would be at the big league level. And the last year that he had at double-A, 23 years old, he did hit 17 home runs, drove in 77 RBI uh, in 112 games. That's pretty darn good there. Uh, that'll get him out there for an OPS at 798. That's okay. Again, if you're kind of using these guys in a platoon, I get it. And maybe this is their plan and maybe it works and they don't have to make that move. Color me skeptical. I think they're going to try their best to make this work. And at the end of the day, they're going to end up having to make a move if guys like Lamette, guys like Lucchese, guys like Paddock continue to hold this rotation and continue to give them opportunities for wins. Because I think the Padres are dangerous. The problem is they do play in that division with the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a juggernaut team, so you have to have a couple W's there. You're going to have to have some games where you beat up a little bit on the Diamondbacks, which is another team that's got some decent starting pitching potentially. So that's where the fight is. Like the Padres fight, you might not be able to beat up on the Dodgers, but can you beat up on the Diamondbacks a little bit? And if you can, 
they have a real shot at this division or at least the playoffs, I would say, not the division. Pardon me. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's part of it. I mean, when, when you look at these situations, the one thing that I think that in fantasy we're going to have to try to avoid is any situation that we think that may be a platoon because you're, you're mm. almost getting nothing out of a player if that is the case. It's almost like counting stats, especially if anyone's playing in a roto league for 60 games, may mean a lot more than, than even players that have elite skills because you're just trying to – it's like a race for 60 games to get, to get as many runs. And if you don't see a guy that's going to get you runs and home runs and runs driven in, but he may be a great player, but he's only getting half the at-bats or a third of the at-bats, it doesn't give you a lot of confidence to take that player. Hey, Craig, how much do you think the Padres would like to have Fran Mil Reyes back right now? That's a guy that would fit right yeah, into this situation. They didn't realize, well, they had to know in a couple of years, though, this was going to happen. They had to anticipate that it was possible, at least after 2021. But I guess hindsight is 2020, unfortunately, and that's what we're stuck in, and that's the year we're playing in. So, uh, But Fran Mil Reyes is exactly the kind of the guy who would be perfect. You drop him in there, you know he's got power. You know, he crushes left-handed pitching. Uh, to me, that would be the ideal guy. And he was basically a DH, and they didn't like him in the field, and they ended up moving on from him. But he, unfortunately, would have been the perfect guy for this scenario. And, unfortunately, it was not meant to be. But, I mean, what a crazy difference a year makes, right? Like, this time last year, they were moving on from him, and now they go, oh, man, I wish we had Fran Mil Reyes to play DH. Oh, it's tough, man. It's tough sometimes to be the Padres. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Cardinals, you know, had Jose uh, Martinez. Oh, it's another guy. <laughs> and now he's on the Rays, and he will DH and play no, this never, day. He'll never see day. the field. Yeah, oh, no, he'll play this day and that day, and then they'll move him around and all that stuff. And that's that's what happens. But, you know, the good news is some of those players that are just, you know, better offensive players and the glove is not that great, they're going to find some money, and that's good. They're going to find some careers. You know, you're going to find – more Mike Sweeney's potentially another guy that I always think fondly of. Well, yeah. yeah, but there's a, there's a perfect example of a guy started off as a catcher too. They moved him off catcher. Wasn't a great defensive guy, but man, could he hit and why shouldn't that guy have a shot at a career? And I think there's a need for it. Now that the national league is going to show that need, I think this is only the beginning. It's not going to go anywhere. I don't care after the next CBA, whatever it is, you're going to get the, uh, the DH everywhere. The players want it. The league wants it. I know some fans don't want it, but it's something we have to come to grips with, and that's where we are right now. But Mike Sweeney's of the world. I mean, imagine if he came up in another organization. He might never have gotten an opportunity. He might have just kind of been phased out somewhere. Uh, but luckily, he came up with the Royals, and they were a team that could move somebody to DH. And next thing you know, there you go. Mike Sweeney had a very good career. He was an all-star, for God's sake. Yeah. No, he was for uh, for a long period of time. And, I, and I'm hoping that this sticks in 2021. I'm not sure that it will. And one of the things that I know that's that's come up for discussion, people just wonder, hey, why can't there just be a DH? Like, why isn't it that simple? Uh, there's always these labor agreements that are involved. Right. And as I'll discuss with uh, Gray Albright a little bit later in the show, uh, when you add 15 players to the designated hitter, you're increasing the salary significantly of potentially 10 players in Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. They go from making a million to 10. I mean, that's $100 million in increased salaries. And there, and there is give and take with all of these things. It's not just, I mean, I think it'd be good for the game. I think most people, and maybe it's not 100%, but maybe 70% think it would be good for the game. But if you're going to make Josh Naylor an everyday player and a 40 home run guy, in the end, would Josh Naylor had been that with that team? The answer is right. no. 
it's so, look, it's it's definitely yeah, something hard. we're getting there. And and I'll and I'll tell you this too. I know we're up against it, but I think when you're looking forward to this too, I think the owners have to think of it and saying it's also as a National League owner protecting my pitcher investments because I'm spending a lot of money on these arms, and if I'm taking away the ability of them to get up to the plate and possibly get hit by a pitch. We've seen that happen before in ruined seasons, guys pulling hamstrings, running to first. I mean, I mean, uh, I remember years ago, uh, what was the name of the pitcher on the, um, was it Chen? Uh, I forget who it was. He was a pitcher on the Nationals. He used to pitch for the Yankees. Uh, Chin Ming Wong, pardon me. Uh, and Chin Ming Wong pulled his hamstring, right? Running to first base. I'll never forget. I was like, oh, and he was a big signing that year and it, and it sunk the Nationals. Like it was one of those things. They were counting on him in that rotation. When you start protecting that pitching investment, it's very important things. So yeah, you're going to be spending more, but on the back end, maybe it does counteract because you're keeping some of these pitchers. You have enormous millions and millions of dollars put in there and maybe you're taking away a little injury risk there for them as well. And look, I think more offense is better for the game, which means more people in the seats, more people in the seats, means more money for everybody. So it's all kind of a, a cycle that I think will work itself out. It sure does. All right, as I mentioned, Gray Albright's coming up a little bit later for Brasball. But coming up next, uh, you know, it, it looks like there's potential for a reunion in the Batman series. And if that is indeed the case, what does that mean? Who would end up playing Batman? This is always a hot topic in entertainment. So we'll dive into that next right here on Sports Grid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. uncertain as to why whoever plays Batman gets the amount of attention that it does, but it does. Make no mistake about it. Anytime somebody puts that mask on of the Cape Crusader, it always comes with some sort of criticism. I, I feel like there's never been a good Batman, honestly. Like, all of oh. these years, like, everybody has oh. a problem with someone. Everybody does. Oh, everybody I think there's been a, a few good Batmans. There's been a few awful Batmans. I think that's very fair, but there's been some really good Batmans, Craig. Oh I think so, goodness. but I feel like it's like it's overanalyzed. I think it's overanalyzed, and I think what happens is everyone's always fearful of who's going to play Batman. And then, you know, like, for instance, Michael Keaton. A lot of people were like, Michael Keaton's going to play Batman. Turns out Michael Keaton was awesome. He was kind of, like, insane. And you know what? Playing Batman is not just about playing Batman. It's about playing Bruce Wayne also. And I and I know there's been uh, basically Michael Keaton now in talks for 
a reprisal of his Batman slash Bruce Wayne, I guess. So I guess after 1992, right, was the last time he played Batman, he's now 68 years old. By the way, Michael Keaton, still just awesome. Like, the work he's done in the last few years, I don't know if you saw that movie, The Founder, where he played Ray Kroc, who kind of uh, founded McDonald's, but really kind of stole McDonald's. Amazing performance. He's great in the Spider-Man movie, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. He plays the villain in that. He's had a great, like, resurgence in his career, but it appears that he's going to, in the new Flash movie, play Batman. Now, I don't know how that works or what's going on there, but I give the guy a lot of credit for 68 years old putting that cowl back on, and I guess it would be good to kind of have that fake muscular physique again, possibly. But, hey, 68 years old, God bless him. Yeah, no, I, I always liked him as, as Batman, too, but I, I know, Joe, that there have been a lot of uh, movies, you know, the action films that you're a big fan of. And unfortunately for me, I haven't seen a lot of the Marvel flicks, and I know that you have. But this summer, uh, for, this is your job this summer with your boy. This is what you do. I, He's ready. I don't know. I don't He's know. ready. Start with Guardians. He'd rather watch YouTube of the 1998 DLTS. I get that. Yes. Look, I, I, you got to change it up a little bit. You try Guardians of the Galaxy. If you can't get him hooked by that, then you wait another year and you try again. But I'm telling you, just try that one. That's the that's the that's the gateway drug of Marvel films because it's kind of like spacey and other things going on. It's fun and there's lots of jokes and the music's really good and it's got a lot of lighthearted moments and the adults really enjoy it and the kids think it's funny. You got the I am Groot thing. He'll like I am Groot. He's he's a he's a mish. He's a mish. A mish is gonna like I am Groot. I'm telling you, he's good. Try it. I that's and whenever you do, you report back to me. But right. it got me thinking about this, and uh, I thought we'd have a little top five here, do a little Craigslist, if you will, about uh, maybe our favorite uh, casted superheroes. Again, heroes, not villains. Uh, the best actor to play a specific superhero, and uh, I'll start with mine here. I'm gonna start with the number five. Let's do the countdown, like. Five to one. I think that's more okay. dramatic, right? You know, I always feel like that. So let's do that. So number five for me, Patrick Stewart as Professor X. I mean, in the X-Men. Is there ever a guy who is better suited to that role? I mean, the perfect bald head, the incredible gravitas. He doesn't have to move anyway. He's just Patrick Stewart. He's just awesome. Uh, I thought that was one of the best pieces of casting. It basically cast itself. But he was fantastic in those movies. I, I We just rewatched them. Uh, my kids had never seen them. They love the X-Men movies. Now they're just all in on the Marvel. And Patrick Stewart's one of them. Who's your number five? Uh, I got Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. That's a good one. Not a, not a hero, although she yeah, does kind of save the day in the end. Yeah. I, I think you just like the outfit. I'm just going to put that out there. I feel like yeah, you're a fan you of the outfit. You can't go wrong with Michelle Pfeiffer, right? <laughs> you can't or go you wrong with it. Yeah. No, no, no. All right. I'm going to go number four and I'll go with some also a very good outfit. Uh, Gal Gadot as uh, Wonder Woman. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. I think she's the best thing in those Justice League movies and that spin off there because I don't care for the DC ones as much I like the Marvel stuff way more. But I was very excited for the 1984 Wonder Woman movie that unfortunately got bumped from May to October. But I don't know if you've seen this one. Did you see the Wonder Woman film when it came out a couple years ago? I did not. No, I did not. Quite good. Quite good. Fights are excellent. It's very well laid out. Got some good humor points in there, too. You need good humor in some of these superhero movies sometimes. You do. Yeah. you do. You need a little laugh now yeah, and again. I, I got uh, my number four. I have Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I, I thought that, you know, how does he not in your top five? I'm not. I'm not uh, I wanted to leave you a couple here. I figured I would leave you. A you couple. left me Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I left you two. I left you two huge ones, I think. I think you're number one. I left you there. 
He would have been my number right, one. We'll, but, we'll, we'll get to that. But I think Hugh Jackman has to be on, on a list of some kind. I agree. I think he was a tremendous Wolverine. And you want to talk about a guy who got a lot of slack for the casting? People hated the idea of Hugh Jackman. Who? Hugh Jackman? He's playing Wolverine? That's the guy at the time everybody wanted Russell Crowe to play Wolverine, who was a little bit more like the Wolverine body type, I guess. But they okay. went with the the prettier guy in Hugh Jackman. Ended up getting the role, but everybody loves Hugh Jackman. How many freaking Wolverine movies are there, for God's sakes? A He's lot. played Wolverine. You know, I did not see the last one, but I heard the last one was absolutely outstanding. Uh, Logan, which is the very final one with him, and I guess it's the end of the character, basically. I haven't been able to catch it yet, but everybody tells me it's tremendous. So uh, if, if you agree, and then tweet at me and yell at me at JoePCP17 and tell me watch the damn movie. Uh, my number three, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. He is the glue that holds all of these Marvel films together. There's always that Nick Fury moment in all of those things, and it's a great bit of casting outside the box. And I think it was fantastic because Nick Fury in the comic books, not necessarily Nick Fury in the films, but giving life to a character and personality. I mean, does it get much better than Samuel L. Jackson, the guy that uh, you know is, you know, going to do whatever Samuel L. Jackson needs to do to get the job done? He's got the swagger. He's got everything you could possibly imagine. And <clears throat> again, like Patrick Stewart, one of my people, bald guy. obviously, yeah. I, I have a soft spot. I'm not going to lie. Who's your number three? Uh, I mean, I, I'll go with Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. You know, I, I think that he, you know, sort of brought that series back. It was the first two movies yeah. that he was back in were super popular. And there's some iconic lines from that movie as well. So, I mean, the, the movies, I know they grossed a lot, but I thought that they were really entertaining. The first two Spider-Man movies. I agree. I thought Tobey Maguire was really good in those. And I love the first one. The first one was great. Uh, I did not watch any of the Andrew Garfield ones. I had no desire to see him, but I will tell you what, these new versions uh, of Spider-Man with Tom Holland, it's not like the origin story. Like, he's already Spider-Man, which is cool. And uh, Aunt May is actually played by Marissa Tomei. And there's always these these jokes now because she's like, she's like hot as opposed to like the old lady Aunt May that we're used to right. in the comics or the other films. Uh, but uh, uh, Tom Holland is phenomenal as Spider-Man and the relationship Dude, him and Robert Downey is outstanding. I highly recommend that. Speaking of humor, too, we talked about superheroes need a little humor. Number two for me, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Oh, my God, I got the little Deadpool right behind me here. I don't know if you've seen these films or not, Craig, but these are a good time. You don't have to see anything else. You don't have to worry about it. You can just enjoy them. They're standalone, outstanding films. It, it, yeah, there's a little extra things on there, but there's some great jokes, some incredible one-liners, and some of the most insane violence you'll ever see on camera. It is unbelievable what goes on in these movies. Have you seen any of the Deadpools? I've seen some of them, and I've seen bits and pieces. I don't think that I've ever seen one start to finish. I would sit and watch that first Deadpool start to finish. Second one, very good. First one, epic. First one, just epically funny. Who's your number two? Well, I mean, if it's a superhero list, Christopher Reeve has to be on here because he started it all uh, in the movies, I think. And his uh, portrayal of Superman uh, in virtually all the Superman movies was was uh, fantastic. I mean, Superman 2 uh, was probably the best, greatest yeah. superhero movie of all time, maybe. Um, you know, 3 wasn't bad either. And, um, you know, he was, uh, you know, when you when you think about he, uh, superheroes in movies, you think of him. So, uh, I mean, he could have been my number one, but I have him at two. The curl. It's all about the curl, man. And he really had that rocket. But you're right. You know, that was... 
people were never sure that superhero movies are going to work. And then Superman became just this huge box office success there. Uh, I like the first one. Uh, the second one is great. The second one's probably the more fun film. I but there's so. some fun things in the first one with Gene Hackman, too. That's just, I, I again, another one of my people. I love me some Gene Hackman. Uh, number one for me, the perfect guy in the perfect role. It's Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. Uh, the, the jokes that come out of his mouth, the demeanor, the attitude, everything about Robert Downey as Iron Man is just fantastic. It's just, it's unbelievably good. He has the way of, in the tense moments, giving you that, fantastic little one line that you need sometimes and uh, kind of breaking the tension. And I think from the kid's point of view, they appreciate that. Sometimes things get a little on the intense side and there's always Iron Man to make a little joke, a little quip, a little moment there. And uh, look, Iron Man is an egomaniac. Robert Downey Jr. understands that character and what that's like. And uh, I think in terms of casting, he was the perfect guy. And really the beginning of this Marvel universe here, because if Iron Man didn't work, as a standalone film, you would not have all these films afterwards. It was Iron Man right. that broke through, was a huge box office success, and allowed them to continue on and do Captain America and all the other films that came after. So, your number one? Yeah, I'll go with Christian Bale uh, as Batman. I thought those movies were fantastic, all three movies. I thought, uh, you know, one just better than the next. I really enjoyed them all. I thought they were great. And, uh, you know, honestly, I don't know that I, I could pick a favorite. They were all fantastic. And I thought Christian Bale is great. I think he's a great actor. And so I got him ahead of uh, Christopher Reeve. But it's close. I, I, I could have put Christopher Reeve first, but I'll, I'll take Christian Bale. I tell you what, man, I, I just I thought his portrayal was tremendous. Uh, the second movie in particular, I mean, I, I'm just partial to Heath Ledger. You know, I just that version of the Joker, that standalone performance there to me, is one of the best cinematic performances as an actor that I've ever seen. And when you go back and compare it to any other actor, I'm not talking about like comic book movie or anything like that, just from a sheer acting standpoint. And it just elevates everybody. I the, Joker, the Joker that was played recently was pretty good. I thought. No. Oh, it's tremendous. Walking, Walking but very Phoenix. different. Walking Phoenix, very different. Like that's all, you know, there's part of that when you have these cathartic moments that you're living through a backstory where these things are happening, it's very different than having to come to a character and create that all for yourself and then live out the reality of what's going on. And that's what Heath Ledger had to do in those films, which is sometimes more difficult. Like, it's one thing to really feel the moments when that's the moment that's happening. It's another thing to come with that as a character and someone asks you, are you crazy? And he looks and he says, I'm not, I'm not. Like, you know what's going on behind there is all the other backstory that he's worked on as an actor. So uh, I love the second one. I thought the third one of that Christian Bale series was a little on the long side. It was Still a little long. It. I agree it was a that, little, yeah. it could have, just it felt like, like it, it needed to end a few times, I agree. Yeah, like you just chop 15 minutes off that movie, perfect. But other than that, these are uh, some 10 really good superheroes. And I, I, For sure. it's time, man. Marvel Universe, get into it. Let's go, Craig, come on. Maybe I will. Maybe Quarantine. I will. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, uh, Gray Albright talking baseball with us coming up next here on Fantasy Sports Today. So make sure you stay right here. And then after that, we will send you off into the Sports Grid universe and be right back here for the weekend edition of the show tomorrow, so don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sportsgrid.com. 
And welcome back to Fantasy Sports today as we wrap up this edition for the show. We bring in the always effervescent from Razball.com, Gray Albright, who has been patiently appearing on this show for the last two months and previously for about three months before that last season, <laughs> waiting for the big announcement for the baseball season. We promised it would eventually happen. It took seven appearances, but Gray, you got it done. Thank you for your letter to the commissioner. I appreciate that. Is it is it is it too late or too early for a victory lap? I did it, man. I I actually will take full credit for the agreement between the players and MLB. I was responsible. You're welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Too no. bad it too too bad there will be no season in two weeks. <laughs> but it was a great thought to have it you know, start up like this. I think that's right. I'm laughing through the tears. I, uh, yeah. Now that we have a, a season announced, um, we've already, we've lost Charlie Blackman. Uh, he was diagnosed with coronavirus, uh, a few twin players, few blue yeah, Jay yeah. players. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I really don't think there's going to be a season. I, I'm now predicting no season. <laughs> we waited all this time for a season to predict no season. <laughs> I just, I was getting your hopes up. I'm sorry. I apologize, but you know what? <laughs> you, you needed something to hope for. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm like, I'm pretty like, I'm pretty, actually, I'm pretty depressed considering we have a uh, season announced because it really, like, with each passing day, you hear these things and you're like, how can we possibly have a season with what is going on right now? Uh. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to envision. And uh, in the world of, of the coronavirus, every day is like two weeks and every two weeks is like two months. So, I mean, we have to hope uh, for the best. And so, you know, for our purposes of doing the show, we're, we're trying to now just basically look at it as if we've had nothing for 90 days. So let's Let's root for a season, and I know you are too. But you're right. It, to be realistic on that end, it definitely uh, is the case. Oh, a hundred percent. No, I I want a season. I mean, of course, yeah. I, like I've said in previous weeks, I love baseball. I want there to be a season. I'm just like you see news clips, and you're like, oh, I don't know, man. Is this really the best idea right now? But yeah. hopefully, there is a season. Now, with that said. What are we doing with speculative closers? Are we just dropping them? I mean, really? Am I really holding on to the the, uh, the second guy on the Cardinals uh, relief staff? I mean, eh. yeah. I mean, it, at this point, uh, at least from what it appears, is that like for the first month, it's three. It, it's all openers, middlemen, and closing. Like I, I really don't even know that outside of Max Scherzer and Verlander, maybe Cole. Like I mean, I think Gray, you're only gonna have a few guys going deep into games. I think there, there's no reason to have these guys pitch deep into games because they're going to have extra men on the roster. Every game is magnified now. It's like the final 60 games of the season. So the the fan, it, listen, for fantasy, I'm not really sure where to go with it. I'm guessing that soon I'll come up with a plan. What I'm doing is I'm waiting until next week when camp's open and I'm allowed to go to the Marlins one, so I'm at least going to kind of get a feel for what is really going on here and how they're approaching it. Because you know, Gray, these GMs virtually all think alike, man, you know? So once right. I get my feel for that, I'll get a feel for whether or not I can construct another draft next month. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Now, I've been saying, you know, originally back in March, I was like, oh, I don't want to redraft. But I have since come back on that. And I feel like, you know, in order for it to be fair, people should be redrafting. I mean, no one expected, you know, when you drafted in February, March, you weren't expecting to be only 60 games. So it's really unfair for a lot of people who went out of their way to, you know, draft, I don't know, say starters <laughs> because <laughs> right. it may not matter. I mean, I don't know, you know, like personally, I don't draft top starters ever. So it's not, I actually like my teams, but I could really like, I, I mean, in all fairness, someone who drafted, you know, uh, a starter in the first round or two, I wouldn't be that happy right now. I mean, I, you know, like, is there going to be a huge difference between like no. a, uh, you know, a uh, Jack Flattery and a Julio Urias? Maybe I mean maybe a little bit, but not really. I don't, I don't think I don't think so because no matter what, Gray, they don't have their full startup time again. It's two weeks and they start. So you're not. I mean, five innings is going to be the maximum. I think through the first two or three times for these guys through the rotation. Now, keep in mind, there are exceptions to the rule. Max Scherzer is not coming out of a game. We know this, okay? Uh, You know, Cole is probably not coming out. Verlander not coming out. But most of the pitchers, it's going to be five and dive. And guess what? You may say, oh, well, that's great because my guy will get five innings. What if the score is 1-1? What if it's nothing-nothing? Like, I mean, wins is going to be the most irrelevant fantasy category in the history of fantasy baseball this year. Like, if you if you get five wins out of a starter, it'll be a miracle. I mean, I don't even know how you'll get five. Yeah, no, completely. There could be, like, pitchers with a 0.00 ERA for, like, the first month, and it'll be like, wow, they're going to be the Cy Young. And it's like, wow, Luke Weaver's Cy Young? <laughs> Right. Okay. I didn't expect that, but yeah, I mean, so there's going to be a lot of crazy stats like the uh, batting average stat. I mean, there could be easily uh, someone that's hit 400 this year, maybe uh, multiple people who hit 350 or above. I mean, there could be guys with a Babbitt above 420, which is also completely unheard of, which means that there could be a lot of luck involved with some of these batting averages it's a uh it's gonna be i feel like it's gonna everything's gonna have an asterisk so i'm it has I'm, to yeah. i'm open for it i mean that's yeah, fine me too i just you know i mean you hear some of the news and you're like uh well hopefully yeah no i think that's part of it i mean you, you brought up a really good point with the earned run average i mean you think about it let's use flaherty as an example let's say he runs off seven starts and then his era is 0.62 goes into the last game of the season he looks at his contract and says oh i get 500 grand if i win the cy young but if i, <laughs> but if I give up five runs today in this one start i'm out oh, Imagine my that. God. gonna jump a full run I didn't even think of that. That is so true. Like Jack Flaherty could be going into the last game of the season with a point with a 0.62 ERA and be looking at one more start and be like, well, I could win the Cy Young, or I go out and have a start, give up five runs, and suddenly be out of the Cy Young. I'm out. One start start in September and be like, oh, oh well. Walker Bueller's like, oh, going to Colorado. I'm not feeling so good. I think I may have so something vid. I don't know if it's COVID or what it is. <laughs> Come on, Walker. We need you in Colorado. I don't know. I'm feeling, feeling <laughs> oh, bad. my God. Totally. Yeah, the Dodgeritis is going to be rampant this year. I mean, Dustin May. 
like who's a like there's gonna be some guys you're like wow that's a really good four five and sixth inning guy (laughs) but but i think that's a good point because you but you also bring up the best team in baseball there i mean i I don't think there's and look washington is going to be formidable with the three starters again of course and and two of which you know will get deep into games no matter what uh but great the dodgers are just you know I mean, yeah. we haven't even seen them with Mookie Betts yet. You know, it's like, oh, and, yeah. and this isn't fair for them this year because they may be the best team. And then there's this going to be this postseason and they could lose again. But, you know, right. simply put, going into the 60 games, I, I don't see a better team than them. Oh, no. Yeah, no, totally. That's actually that's a great point, too, because like you said with the Nationals, like this is this season, 60 games. I mean, it's a little bit more than you would see in the postseason normally. But it's not that dramatically different. And you see how, like, three good starters takes you through the postseason. So so really, like, three good starters could take you through the season and get you to the postseason very easily. Like, you don't have to, like, why would you give any innings to a fourth or fifth starter this year? You wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. That's the the question that's being asked to most, to all of the GMs, is are you going with four or five starters? The GMs are all saying, well, you know, we'll, we'll still go with five. But when you think about it, it's a fair question. There's almost no reason for five-man rotations in a short season, by the way, with once every two weeks having a day off, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're, whoever the fifth starter, that sneaky fifth starter, like it used to always be on Oakland or San Diego, like you may as well forget it. Like, I mean, they, unless you like your innings coming from the fifth and sixth on. And by the way, if I had to guess, in 2020, the wins leader in the AL and NL will come from a reliever, a middle reliever of some kind, who just keeps coming in the game and keeps scarfing those wins up after the fifth inning. I mean, it, it literally could happen that way. That so, is true. You yeah, know, good point. I was saying, like, earlier on, on Razzball, I was saying how, like, steals feels like the most predictable category because if you're fast, you're fast. I mean, that doesn't go anywhere, and it's just about getting on true. base and running. So, like, a Jared Dyson... He could steal 25 bags in 60 games and easily, like, you know, be the second best base stealer behind uh, Mondesi, who's going to lead the league, assuming he's healthy. I mean, it's like. Right. Well, the, the other part, too, is is there will be stolen bases and extra innings, because if, if the game is tied, they'll put a runner on second. Right. And with, with two outs, Gray, that guy's going to steal. Oh, yeah, my God. Lo, Lo Castro. Oh, man. He's so fast. Um, <laughs> they have to look at everything. But yeah. look, the, the good news is, is we're able to, you know, talk about it and, and certainly, um, you know, try and figure out what the landscape is going to be. And, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of want your opinion on this because you mentioned something. I know we only have two minutes, but look, I, I know that you're uh, active on social media and you also have a even though you're, you know, a little wild, I think you have a good view <laughs> on things. How do you feel about somebody like myself or even anybody else reporting the names of the people that have coronavirus? This is something that I'm sort of fighting with a little bit here. Like, is as a reporter, like, you knew Charlie Blackman right there tested positive for coronavirus. Yeah. Why? Because a reporter leaked it. But right. I don't know. It, it feels, for me, and, and you're not doing the wrong thing by mentioning it because it was reported. But for me, like, as an example, a couple of days ago, a Marlin tested positive. And it's like, do I go on this witch hunt? And throw this guy's name out there when maybe his teammates, some of them don't know, maybe some of his family members don't know. Like, I, I, I feel, like, awkward about it, but I'm like you. I want to know because for every reason, for fantasy, reality, and the player. 
Yeah, no, it, it's a tricky thing. I feel like, isn't it a uh, possible HIPAA violation? I mean, unless someone gives you the, uh, you know, the okay to say it, I don't know if you, I don't think you should say who's gotten coronavirus. Hey, I'm, I'm not doing it. I yeah, said the yeah. Charlie Blackman one because I had read it somewhere. Oh, it was reported. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was reported. So I, I mean, yeah. it's out there now. I, I mean, I wouldn't have been the first person to report it, but now that it's out there, I mean, you know, you can't stick Oh, no, I'm not blaming you for it. I'm no, just saying no, it, 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 it's interesting that you bring it up because yeah. I wonder if that's where we're at next, where we're all on this witch hunt to find out. And, right. and also, in terms of fantasy, this witch hunt to find out who may end up having it. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're out of time with Gray Albright. Uh, Gray, thank you again for coming on the show this week. Really appreciate it. We'll catch up again soon, okay? Yeah. Thanks. Right. <laughs> Gray Albright with us. Thanks again uh, to Gray, Brett, Danny, and Ryan for producing our program today. Paul Spore for appearing. For Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. We'll talk to you this weekend. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.